This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 33. Now let's get it. My man, how are you doing today? I'm good. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Well, guys, welcome back to the rundown. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Tyler here today. Um, he will be back uh, later this week or next week. We're not too sure yet. But Tyler, we're missing you, buddy. And we hope to have you back soon, man. So, Dan, you want to hop right into it? Let's do it. So we're going to start the day off, as we always do with Bleach. Thousand Year Blood War arc. We are looking at episode 23 today. Marching out the zombies two. So we got really inventive with the name this week, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't want to spend too much time on this. But I will say we have a good thing going, man. We're starting off with bleach. We end with one piece. Like, you can't beat that. Nah, we're put we're sandwiches some great stuff in the middle. It's it's been a good rundown this season. Yeah, it really has. Let's get to it. So things are heating up amongst these cold, cool bodies. Toshiro, the captain of the 10th Division, has joined the battle on the side of the Stern Riders. Luckily, Kuritsuchi is there to help out. So we start the episode with Toshiro coming in hot, heavy, and pretty damn aggressive. Like... He's normally a nice guy, but in his zombified form, he's just straight to the fucking kill shot. Yeah, it was the, insane. He he pulled up on everybody on, on straight demon time. It was pretty cool to see. Uh, usually you get a little bit of talking out of him, but he was like, nah, I got some work to do. Well, Giselle's got some work to do. Yeah, and like he goes to attack uh, Yumi Chika, and literally they're like... Bro, Kido won't doing shit here. You got to get out of the way. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, luckily, he got he he got saved. But I mean, what what was he thinking? I don't know, man. Like, I guess if you have like really high powered Kido, you're probably fine. But not against like the youngest captain of all time. Like, homie is a literal prodigy. Yeah, you don't fuck with Toshiro like that. Nah, dude, he makes, like, out of ice users, he's probably one of the most badass ice users in anime, in my opinion. I'm trying to think of some better ones off the top of my head. Uh, Brooke's pretty pretty tight from One Piece, but other ice users on his level, what? I don't think there's many. Well, it's like Todoroki's got his big wall of ice, too, but I don't think it's as dangerous. It's not as clean, either, man. There, there's no ice dragon. It's just a bunch of ice. He can skate on some ice. He ain't hitting like that. Nah. But so after that attack, it's revealed that Toshiro was made a zombie right before he died, which allows him to remain nimble. Like his body didn't like lock up at all. And it'll also allow Giselle to take over his mind. So he is a walking, talking, zombified badass right now. Yeah. And I think that's messed up. Like imagine like you're dying uh, and 
this this girl like comes up and, and is like, yeah, I'm gonna just turn you into a zombie in your in your last moments here. I know this is fucking terrible, but you're now gonna be my slave. Uh, that's the worst way to go. You really yeah. don't even get to go. You then you have to watch yourself be controlled. I guess. I I guess I wonder if he can even he even knows what's going on like in his head because basically he was saying that like his did she just basically turn his mind to Jello? So like I don't even know if he knows what's going on. You know. Yeah, I was thinking um, maybe because like she said that yeah, I can take complete control over his mind because I think when you're about to die, your pro- your will's probably pretty weak. So I don't know if the light's on in there, but I hopefully it's not. I really hope it isn't. But yeah, man. So after he goes after these two soul reapers in uh, Imachika and Kaku, Charlotte, one of the Iran cars, steps up. He's like, oh, you're going to be my opponent now. And just gets absolutely bodied, like sliced down instantly. And all <laughs> like Kurosushi just walks up and he's really just laughing like, are you a fucking idiot? As he's just lying there, like you can see this gaping hole in his chest opening and closing as he's trying to breathe. I'm like, damn, they really went hard with this animation right here. Right, right. I mean, that's what Charlotte gets. Was uh, Toshiro the person that like defeated charlotte in the first place ended up killing him i can't remember but i thought he had said something about like revenge and that's why he jumped at toshiro i can't recall i can't remember that arc like the beginning of that arc i remember a lot of key parts of that arc because there was a lot of gas fights in it but i don't remember when like they attacked katakura down okay understood understood but yeah uh Kurosuchi, I mean, also goes on to say that, like, he can't have Toshiro, like, just taking down all his test subjects. Like, he's a man of science. I don't blame him for that. Um, then he kind of uh, unknowingly, I didn't know at the time, but ended up giving Toshiro some drugs. I didn't see it when it initially happened. So when Toshiro, like, cut him down, then, it, like, changed camera angles, Kurosuchi was, like, completely fine. I was like, did my... Something happened with my TV. Is my Crunchyroll fucked up, or my Hulu yeah. fucked up? Yeah, is this suddenly <laughs> is this buffering right now, or am I am I crazy right here? Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna just let this play out because some weird shit's been happening anyway. But and and then sure enough, it happens another what eight nine times. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but I thought that was pretty funny, like that Kurosuchi ended up administering the drug, and he's like, yeah, I don't really like to hurt people against their will. Which is that actually true of it? Is he just trying to make himself not seem that bad? He seems to rationalize a lot of things that he does. I feel like he has the con like that like mindset that he's always doing it for the greater good. You know? So in, he's in, a fuckboy. That's what he is. And in, in his eyes, he's doing it. You know, he's not he's doing it for the Serete. Come on, man. <laughs> Everything's for the Serete. <laughs> okay. Rationalization and mental gymnastics are his game as well. He's a genius, dude. He can he can go through those gymnastics like nobody's business. True, true, true. Simone, Simone, Simone Biles type beat. Got it, got it. I was trying to remember her name. I was about to say that. <laughs> but yeah, but so yeah. Basic, basically, uh, Toshiro tries to strike down Kurutsuchi like 10 times, and this just keeps happening over and over again. He like freezes him, and you see his body crack to a million pieces, and then boom right back to where they were. So it turns out that this drug that Kurosuji administered to Toshiro basically affects his 
I think it was the hippocampus, like your short-term memory. That's correct. Yep. And basically, this drug is wild. This is this is not plausible in any sense of the form. Basically, if Toshiro strikes down Kiritsuji and kills him, he goes back in the past to the moment before that happens, which is nuts. That is not a drug that makes any sense. No, we're gonna let it slide. It like, it, it like doesn't just affect Toshiro; it affects the rest of the world too. And like him slipping in the part where it only affects short-term memory is like, yeah, he doesn't remember really what happened. But Toshiro being Toshiro kind of like catches on after a few times. He's like, yo, I, I just killed you like five times, bro. Like, what's going on here? So I thought that was pretty cool. But you know, kind of one of the rules of the drug, and I think he said side effect, current side effect is like after you go back in time, in times, uh, the person who is under the drug's effects gets paralyzed for 30 seconds. Pretty much your uh, your equilibrium become gets off, and then your arms and legs become paralyzed. And uh, it's that's when Kurosuchi gives him the next drug, and the, your boy's just acting a fool. It, it was it was pretty funny to see, but he he's a slick. I like Kurosuchi; he's pretty slick. Oh, definitely, dude. And you're just like watching that black substance take over Toshiro's body. I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Yeah, he was pulling out some stunts. Um, I actually thought we would see Kurosuchi fight uh, at least more, but I should have known that he has things he needs to, you know, test for science for the serate. It's just how he fights, dude. It's his style, you know. I mean, if, <laughs> everybody if else he, got bankai, he's got science. I love that shit. He's got a bankai too, dude. His bankai's scary. A giant worm thingy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just watch cause... through this spring. Because even when he fought uh, Ashida in that situation, he still poisoned the fuck out of him. He was doing all this janky science shit. Yes, yes. The fuck boy of science. I love it. But yeah, so as Toshiro is sitting here screaming in pain as his body is just turning black, Kensai, Rojiro, and God bless her soul, Zombie Rangiku show up to join the fight. And at this point, Pepe tries to control Bia. No, I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So, dude, I'm. It's been a long day. (laughs) It's like that sometimes. So, out of nowhere, Biakia shows up to defeat Ronkiku, Kensai, and Rojirawa's Bankai. Super badass. Another Sternrider out of nowhere comes in, Pepe. And Pepe was a sketchy fucking dude. Yeah, he was like flying around on some sort of like, I, I don't want to call it a raft. It was like a mat. Like he was a genie uh, spitting shit about love and uh, pretty much, you know, takes control of Byakuya's uh, uh, Zombok toe and makes it cut him because he can, his power is that like he can control anything that has a soul, right? Or I think he said anything that knows love, which is a soul, I guess, in this case. And he knows that he, he said that's why he didn't steal any Bankais, because he could just take control of them uh, as he wished. And I thought that was pretty cool that he turned his Zanpakuto against him. But then Byakuya, Byakuya uh kind of just throws it away. And I was like, I can't fight like this. Like, I don't know if that thing's going to fucking kill me. But first yeah, time I've me- seen him disarmed, I believe. Yeah, he's 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 a fucking badass with Hato and Kido and all that though. So I ain't too worried about Byakuya. 
But that's a scene where Shuei, who is under Pepe's control, again, more zombie shit. A lot of zombie shit in those last two episodes. But he's under the power of love, baby. He ain't zombified like Giselle does. <laughs> but Shuhei is coming at him with his sword and Byakuya's sword. And his sword is in his second form. Like, he's going at him heavy. And Byakuya's just blocking this shit like no problem. He's like, I can't keep this up forever. But this is kind of light work right now. Yeah, you're really not, you're really not that good, kid. Pretty much. You're not that guy, pal. But um, it was also cool because uh, Shuhei and Byakuya were like trying to figure out what was going on. Um, Byakuya was like, why are you attacking me? Like, are you the real Shuhei? And he was like, are you, are you the real Byakuya? Uh, I think Pepe was making him say that, which is also fucked up. Trying to have a conversation while you're sneaking your mans with his mans. Um, oh, definitely, dude. And then like Shuhei at one point is like Master Pepe. And I'm sitting there like... The fuck is Pepe? Fuck is Pepe? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it cuts to that weird looking fucker on that. I I gotta say, rug. I don't know what what it really is, but flying carpet, dude. Yeah, big genie style. But I just, I I had no words for how he looked. But he was he was actually pretty funny. And um, Thousand Year Blood War needs all the comedic relief it can get, and Pepe was definitely it this episode. Yeah, because this season is just dark. Extremely. It is so dark. Like, Bleach always had that nice comedic relief in it, but they just, like, take it to 11 on the dark scale, which is awesome. Yes, yes. Um, But in the end, uh, Kurosuchi um, ends up saving. Is it Shuhi he saves? Or I can't remember, Byakuya. Um, But he... Kurosuchi kind of takes back uh, Kensei and blocks an, an attack going on to, I believe it is Shuhei. And Yakuya actually thinks that Kurosuchi created these zombies for a while. And he was like, first of all, this, this wasn't me. I took advantage of the situation, but it wasn't me. Um, and he kind of explains that uh, Giselle, Giselle is uh, the orig- originator of these zombies, and he's using his blood, uh, some artificial blood to take them back over and make them fight for the Serite again. Um, so he figured out Giselle's powers. And like, so with lower power enemies, she just needs a drop of blood, like a normal soul reaper. But when it comes to the captains and the lieutenants, she pretty much has to douse them in blood, which is why they kind of had that darker reddish appearance. So once he figures that out and gets his own artificial blood, the tables turn. Yeah, and I just loved how Byakuya was like, come on, man, you, you, you didn't have to do this. Like, you could have just <laughs> let him rest peacefully. And just Kurosuchi's like, nah, man, they were fighting for the other guys, so I, I did what I had to do, you know? I definitely didn't want to do this by any means. No, no, it, it was thinly veiled uh, pity is what it was. And he actually said, I love how good he is at rationalizing things that he does, because he actually says that, um, you know, whether we're dead or not, we should be fighting for the Serate. And I was like, you know, you're right, but you're still fucked up, bro. <laughs> you're right, but you're fucked up. Oh, definitely, dude. And during this whole fight, too, Pepe is trying to basically use his love magic, I'm going to call it, to take over Byakuya, which would be a big hit for the Serate. Woo, would it? But it just turns out that Byakuya's got no love in his heart. That man is cold. <laughs> that shit was kind of sad. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it, like it was cool, but like, damn, bro, you don't love anything. I mean, he does. He loves Rukia. He loves not his according act- to Pepe. Eh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a different type of admiration. He's not <laughs> weak-minded. He's not weak-minded. Okay, okay. I mean, he treats her like a little sister, dude. You can't say that's not love, right? I mean, I'm just listening to what Pepe said. And, and Pepe said he's got no love in his heart, so. Yeah, after that, you know, the news, the newly zombified captains just come and put down a beat down on Pepe. And Pepe's using his full power here. He somehow turned into, like, naked Cupid man, pulling fucking bows and arrows out of his mouth. I was like, this, uh, get me out of here, dude. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I thought it was, I personally thought it was hilarious. Um, and he can't even take back the zombies from Kurosuchi because he says, uh, my zombies don't know any love. So he somehow, like, I considered it, like, a little worse than what Giselle was doing. Like, they had something in their heart, at least. But Kurosuchi's like, no, these are this is straight up mind control. You can't do anything with this. I shut this shit down. Cool of him, but also, like I said, he's still fucked up. Yeah, man. But in the end, Pepe gets roasted. To the Sternwriters turn on him, and uh, we move on to a little after credit scene. And we got Yuhabaha and Co. showing up at the Royal Palace. And the only line you get, you wait through this whole freaking credit scene here. Oh, so this is the Royal Palace in the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I hope they immediately give us what we want next week. Boxing. They don't put, yeah, I mean, obviously some boxing. We've been getting a lot of it, but I want to see them see what they're going to do in the Royal Palace with uh, how it seems like some shady plans have been going down. So I want to oh. see that fleshed out next episode. It means we're going to get some really good boxing. Up tier, hopefully. Let's fucking go. Well, All awesome, right. dude. You want to get on the Zom? Yeah, let's get it. Uh, we have Zom 100, episode 8, Sushi and the Hot Springs of the Dead, of course. Uh, during this episode, the main cast gets a, a honestly fantastic side mission. They end up delivering some uh, high-quality fish to a sushi restaurant, and I wish I had that job. Um, we also get to meet what could be the anime DGEN best girl of the season so you guys watch out for her she is best girl of the season in my book right now so we kind of start the episode um with a very important lesson in mindfulness and the crew is actually trying sup yoga which is kind of where you float on a what looked like a surfboard and do yoga stand up paddleboard sup stand up paddleboard it was pretty long (laughs) that is a stand up paddleboard that's right um but you know akira says yeah, I'm trying to be more mindful. I like to free myself from the past and the future and live in the present. And that's something I got to watch out for myself as well at, at times. Got to be mindful. It's very important. I just loved it because Kencho is sitting there the whole time like, bro, you've been doing this the whole time. What are you talking about? As they're all sitting yeah. there in some funny ass yoga pose, all like in the exact same pose floating in this lake. Getting stupid loose. Yeah, Kencho wasn't letting uh, Akira get away with his bullshit. But that was number 27 on the list to try some uh, sup yoga. And uh, Akira says they're, they're back in their RV. And he says, you know, we've already done 15 things on this list. And he's like, I, we might be able to get this whole list done in a month. And I started to think, this isn't like a one season show. You know, what are they going to do once they get towards the end? What, what do you think this could turn into, Dan? I think it's going to be like two or three seasons. So... 
I don't know where it's going to go. I don't think they're going to like get crazy sidetracked off the bucket list. You know, I think it's just going to slowly cross things off. I mean, he doesn't even have a hundred things on it yet. That's true. That's true. It's like 40 something, I think, but I mean, yeah. uh, eight episodes in there, they're 15 through what I hope this turns into is like the, the bucket list becoming more serious and them doing something to help save the world. in the end. I think that would be a really cool change in pace. Cause I don't think you can keep up uh, this, it being this lighthearted in what seems aimless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess with like the tone of the show, though, I don't think I necessarily would mind if it stayed goofy, you know? Well, I, 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 I that's a good point. And I think what I'm what I actually mean is like, yeah, it should stay goofy because that's what it is. But I, I would like them working towards a bigger goal than the bucket list itself. Yeah, I just think it's hard for a bunch of not uh, PhD biologists to, uh, well, come up with a cure for this. They're calling it a pandemic. I'm going to call it the goddamn end times. <laughs> like, these zombies are something fair. fierce, man. Like, this ain't yeah. a pandemic. You guys are fucked. Yeah, this is the apocalypse, buddy. But yeah, uh, getting getting back to the plot. Although I, I think I do have some great ideas about this show. Um, they find, end up finding a person stranded on the side of the road, and of course, God, we get to see the shark suit come back out. And um, it turns out, as they come up to this uh, refrigerator truck surrounded by zombies, blown out tire, a fucking samurai jumps out of it and uh, starts using um, I forget the name of the weapon. But it's one of those, uh, it's a, a pole weapon with like the, it's like a spear type deal. I have, yeah. I have it written down somewhere. I can't find it. Um, it's a sword spear. Sword spear. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll, look it, I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Okay. But, but anyway, while he's doing that, um, she has some pretty great combat skills. And I thought it was a really cool moment uh, that, that this person kind of just jumped out and was defending themselves. Most of the people we see that they come across are very helpless. And as she's taking her samurai helmet off, she says, Danke, schön, which means thank you in German. And I did know that because I'm going to Germany next week. So uh, good to brush up a little bit on how to say thank you. And uh, so she ends up being a uh, German girl named Beatrix Emmerhauser. Whew. What a name so, for a, what a lady. <laughs> this is, this is, she, we, we got her own best girl watch already. Um, so it's cool. To, I thought it was really funny to see a German person dressed in a samurai outfit and, and have the combat skills to back it up. And I think Shizuka thought, thought that was ironic as well. Oh, um, definitely. But then she was like, you know what? This is some pretty good zombie armor right here. Not going to lie. Yeah, it's very creative of her, but uh, we'll see in a second that she is uh, a weeb, 100%. A woman uh, of the, the culture. Yeah, a woman of the culture. I like that. I like that. Um, but, you know, just a little bit more about Beatrix as we're learning more about her. I mean, she is so into German culture that she even uses the Japanese name of Japan. Uh, inside Japan, it's called Nippon. Um, I work with a some uh, Japanese companies and they always call it Nippon. And I actually learned that that's what they called it during this episode. As I was looking it up, I was like, Oh, that's why the, all the companies are named Nippon. So very cool stuff. But we figure out that she needs to deliver some fish to Takasaki. 
to the last remaining sushi master in Japan. And she gets down on her knees, like she's like uh, trying to be very formal. Very and cordial. At, yeah, cordial, formal. She's being super uh, respectful uh, and trying to abide by Japanese culture. And she asked the quote-unquote brave samurai to help her in her journey. And what did you think about this whole scene? I was just cracking up because, like, they're like, why would she need to do this? Why would she need to go to a city? It'll be dangerous. And then she says, I need to deliver this fish to a sushi person. And you just see Kensho and Shizuka in the background going, all she fucking wants is sushi. And then you just, like, very, very politely back to her. You see Akira go, in the spirit of hospitality, as a guest to Japan, we will help you on your quest or something dumbass like that. And you just see those two like freeze up in the background and go, God damn it. All he wants is sushi too. Hell yeah. Hey, I don't blame him. My man knows how to live and sushi is fucking delicious. And it's on the bucket list. I believe I noticed it was... that it was number seven. Um, that's pretty high up. And I like how much Akira respects good food. I just love it. I mean, after living or living that hell that he did, you know, probably the only sushi you got to eat was from 7-Eleven. So like that's, I can't, that's brutal. Can't it's probably really, better than the than the grocery store sushi that I eat though here in America. I it's probably on par. I mean, a lot of the grocery stores have that like little sushi it's, counter. It's honestly solid. If you get it before a certain time each day, right after they've made it, it's pretty solid. Well, that's it. They bring in, it's like contractors who are like actual sushi chefs. It's not like it's like employees of the grocery store. Like they are masters of their craft, just making shit sushi for cheap. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it satisfies me, you know, but uh, so they take this trip to Takasaki. And as Dan mentioned, it's pretty risky because this is another larger city. So it's going to have a ton of zombies. They've already had to leave Tokyo because of all the zombies that are appearing. And they roll in and they see, of course, all these walking dead and come up with a plan. And I'm going to I, I got to explain it to you because I thought this was like maybe it was one of my favorite moments from the series so far. So Kensho being Kensho gets naked to lure in the zombies. Akira rolls up a truck and kind of boxes them in on the street. Um, Beatrix comes in with her Naginata. That's the name of her weapon, by the way, a Naginata. Um, and starts slashing them up. And like she gets like these blue glowing eyes when she has the samurai, uh, 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 I guess, helmet on. And I, it, it just looks so fucking cool, man. Um, but then Shizuka comes in and has the plan to like burn them all up by covering them in some liquor, which I don't, I probably would have kept some for myself just knowing me. That's and they're going to light them on fire. Man. Yeah, it kind of hurt me a little bit, but I see where they were coming from. But it ends up being too many of them, and uh, they kind of break loose. I thought it was a really cool moment and kind of has shown some character growth for Akira. Matrix kind of loses hope, kind of sinks down and is very depressed. And Akira kind of says, fear is an excuse not to act. Love that shit. My man's got, got some courage now. And he kind of jumps down and starts defending their RV before they run in. And Beatrix pulls up and is like trying to get her honor back or some shit. I was like, I will never falter like that again. I was like, she needs to chill. She's so formal and I love it. 
but they ended up getting to go ahead i was just i loved it too because when akira's jumping down he's like i'd rather be a zombie than not eat good sushi and i'm like facts man fucking facts (laughs) a man after my own heart love that shit but yeah i mean akira and beatrix fighting these zombies was so cool to me great choreography i thought it's not naruto level obviously but for this goofy little anime it was it was pretty fucking good man I've seen worse than Shonen anime, so they got that going for them. That's true. I have. I have. Somewhat recently. But um, Shizuka ends up luring them in uh, to a gas station and blowing, blowing them all up. And then we cut to the sushi restaurant. What was, You have any thoughts on that whole scene there? there? I, like I said, it's one of my favorites. I thought it was so funny because, like... We went from, like, this show, like, normally the fights are, like, them running and trying to figure something out. But nah, dude, Akiragar, Akiragar, whatever his name is, and Samurai Beat, they went to town on these zombies. Like, you felt like you were watching a scene out of like a shonen anime. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, I was like, when did this turn into a battle shonen? Like, what what the fuck's going on right now? But they're getting more confident. And and this is why I think they could like eventually gain the skills to help save the world because they're progressing. They're growing up. At least slash them all down, you know? I mean, they fought a shark. Yeah, yeah. A shark with legs. A shark with legs. They fought a shark with legs. They can handle some zombies now, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel that. So, we, yeah, we cut to them trying out the sushi that they delivered to the last sushi master. And they're all chomping down, and Beatrix is just staring at her, what looks like a salmon uh, nigiri. And she eats it and starts crying. Uh, because she says she worked so hard to save up money to come to Japan. And she's just happy to be there. And she said the sushi is so fucking good. Uh, the sushi chef, this guy is a nut. An absolute nut. He ends up crying because he's so honored uh, that she's crying. Right? And he says, this guy's a workaholic. Probably not best dad uh, or husband. <laughs> he's, he says that he has worked every day perfecting his sushi. And even worked on his daughter's wedding day and the day of his wife's death. A psychopath, but I know that sushi was hitting. Straight looks, bussing. I mean, we've always said anime food looks good, but dang, that sushi looked good, dude. No lie. No lie. But, you know, and I think it was also like the chef said that you guys are probably probably my last customers. So I guess on his last day of work after working every day. He was just happy that somebody was there to truly appreciate what he does. And in honor of them being his last customers, he breaks out the good stuff. He's got two bottles of sake ready to go. He says, you know what? You guys drink the place dry. I'll cook for you all night. We're in. That sounds like a dream, bro. Like pretty much unlimited sushi. Uh, Pretty much whatever fish they could carry into the fucking place. Plus anything they want at the bar can't beat that like come on you'd be rolling me out of that place in a wheelbarrow dude yeah yeah i have to have on my eating pants but uh <laughs> yeah they mark number seven pig out on a, in a nice sushi restaurant is off the list now i just really appreciate Akira for putting that on there oh, and you want to get us into the into the heat wave a little bit let's do it so they're back in the rv they're making their way towards akira's hometown and the team realizes that they, uh, well, they kind of stank. And not just a normal stank. This is a I haven't bathed in a week stank. 
There's four of them in there. Well, three of them, I guess, Kensho's on the bike. That RV can't be smelling good right now, dude. No. It, it, you know it smells like ass, bro. Uh, Kensho probably doesn't smell too, too bad because he's had some wind. You know, he's been airing out. Yeah, he's been constantly airing out in between stops. But those other three, holy fuck. Yeah, and, you know, they're trying to figure it out. And you got Shizuka. She's like, you know, we can't just dump, jump in a lake because then we'll smell like a lake, and that's not really much better. I'm going to disagree with that one. I'm going to disagree with that one. I'd rather smell lake water like, than a... Likewise. Than, than stank. But Beatrix, being the weeb that she is, she's very knowledgeable about the hot springs. And remembers that Kusatsu, which is a town near there, is at the top of the National Hot Spring efficacy records. So we're going to be going to some hot springs. And with our <laughs> new character joining, if we haven't mentioned, she's well endowed. She's a very smart woman. Cannons. Very... <laughs> Cannons. Um, but yeah, yeah no, she, she, she's not a bad looker. She's not a bad looker. Um, and it's it's getting pretty obvious that Kensho has a has a crush on Beatrix. Um, Don't we all? Because he, I mean, you got me, bud. But uh, he's very excited to go to the hot springs. He's like, you know what, you know, the lady's gonna join join us. But I, you know, I'm gonna talk to Beatrix. I'm trying to lay some mag down. So does Akira with uh, Shizuka, and he puts him down hard. And she was like, I believe she said. Something along the lines of, I am repulsed by you, and uh, following love in your 20s is a waste of time. It's best spent working and getting promoted. And you can think about finding someone, which is fucking nuts. She's fucking. Need, and not even just that. She's like, if you need somebody. Yes, she didn't even say, then you can find someone. It's if you need someone. But the guys kind of jump in their hot spring and. Uh, the girls, the girls walk over to theirs and they're having a moment because the pump's broken. Beatrix reports back that the pump is broken. And this, I laughed, I literally laughed out loud and had to pause the episode. I was uh, crying. Because it, <laughs> it, it cuts back to the guys, Akira and Kensho. Like they got super serious. They're like sitting up on the rock and uh, Kensho starts off with a little, uh, these are extreme circumstances. Uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. Akira has like his hand on his cheek talking about um, there's no need to be ashamed. And it was it was just a great scene. I, I literally laughed out loud and had to pause it. Oh, definitely. And then because it's a zombie show, who else shows up but a horde of zombies? You're going to skip the best part. You're kidding me. Okay, so... Well, continue. <laughs> Shizuka says, oh. absolutely the fuck not. I'm not getting in this hot spring with you fucks. Um, and Beatrice, being the respectful weeb that she is, rattles off something about Japanese culture. Uh, and pretty much just gets naked immediately and is about to jump in. And we get a, a, a nice clean shot of our boys crying with joy. It was beautiful. Yeah, it, it was. But it like was Dan beautiful. Said, uh, like, unfortunately, that, that hot spring was filled with zombies and they had to leave. Yeah, if you are not watching this show, you need to catch up to this episode because uh, the scene where Beatrix just 
takes off everything and there's like the sash that would hold her kimono shut it's just perfectly laid over all the stuff they can't show on television it's this episode like they one they fit a bunch of stuff into this episode uh, i think it was pretty well crafted as far as like the density of the writing but beatrix i mean she i think she brings a lot to the show um yeah, like she's 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 a she's a good looking gal, but I, th- I think she adds a lot of comic relief. Um, she's very knowledgeable, so I think she's going to be very useful to the team. Um, and I think they needed like a, a fourth person other than Kensho just getting naked because his bit was going to get old eventually. Yeah, it it, it already has. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, but so yeah. they get chased by this horde of zombies and then they end up scaling a rock wall to survive. And they get to the top of this and they're sitting up there like, well, I guess we can just wait for the zombies to leave. You know, we'll get back to the RV eventually. And the scene just cuts to Kensho, Akira, and Beatrix all pass the fuck out on top of this cliff. But Shizuka's not seen. And Akira wakes up and he's like, oh, I'm really thirsty. I'm going to go find me some water to drink. You know, normal stuff you do when you wake up at three in the morning. Mm -hmm. But he stumbles through the woods and he finds a natural hot spring just out in the mountains. It looked beautiful. I would love to dabble in this hot spring a little bit. Not going to lie. No, it's it looked amazing. Um, And I I am jealous that this is a real thing. But continue. And so Akira jumps right in. And he's lying on his back, all relaxed. They have the water shimmering perfectly to uh, not show you anything. And all of a sudden, he bumps into something. And of course, she's not there. It's Shizuka. And this leads to a really, really funny interaction. You've got them both freaking out, so embarrassed. Shizuka's got like her hands over her chest, like she's freaking out. And she basically's like, you need to leave. You need to get out of this hot spring right now. And he's like, pause. This is on my bucket list. I'm chilling. You, you can deal with it. <laughs> yeah. He, he, my man literally said he'd rather die than leave the hot spring. And, uh, you know, a little extreme. But Shizuka relents and is like, look, okay, so I'm going to go on this side of this rock. And you're going to go on the other side. And if you fucking turn around, you're dead. Which sounds pretty standard for a situation like this. Definitely. But, but uh, after that, they, you know, Shizuka kind of like uh, talk, walks back some of the things she said earlier when she was putting um, Akira's love down. She's kind of saying that, you know, the old her slipped out a little bit and she was just trying to act tough and not get hurt. And Shizuka... I think she let some of her inner thoughts uh, leak out here. And she actually ends up saying, like, if she were to fall in love with somebody, um, she would want to be with somebody that she can be open with, like Akira. But then she walked that shit back really, really quick. But Akira's not hearing any of the, the second part. He's he's heard what he needs, needs to hear. Um, but as they're kind of going through their conversation, the rest of the group shows up. Uh, unfortunately, this was a pretty good moment, I thought. So I think Akira's breaking through her her harder outer shell here. The uh, he's got the slow game, but the Mac is back. So in the end of the episode, we get uh, number sixteen, kicked back in a hot spring, marked off the list. 
the the gang's back at it, and that's pretty much it. What yeah. do you think about this little scene between uh, Shizuka and Akira? I thought it was cute, you know? I'm oh, I'm not so necessarily nice. looking for that in this show, but I thought it was nice. Yeah, I mean, Akira's got goals, bro. Like, I'm trying to, I want to see him achieve them. Hey, man, he already, uh, he already crossed off uh, whatever it was, uh, like, first episode. Confess your love to somebody you love, you know? Yeah, I mean. That's old shit. He can do more. But Fair enough. You, you ready for the next one, bud? Yeah, let's do it. So next we're going to get into Ronin Kenshin, episode 11. Savage Hanya. Honorable Shikijo. So in this episode, we get a follow through on the great setup of a battle tower with the Obi-Waban group and Team Kenshin. You guys already know the boys are about to get busy throwing some hands. Yes, sir. I'm excited. Oh, definitely. This episode is awesome. So the episode opens up with Hanya has been ordered to protect the first area of his life. Kenshin said he's not going to hold back. That had me pretty hyped. And he even came in the beginning. He's like, we don't have to do this. Like, just let me get Megumi. We'll get out of here. We don't have to fight. You know, being Kenshin. Yeah, yeah. Very merciful of him. Love it. But they get boxing. And Hanya's got some, some spell that he's using that makes it seem like his attacks aren't going to hit. But then they smack Kenshin pretty fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, Kenshin, I was surprised. Um that Kenshin was taking that much damage so quickly in the match. I mean, we all know he's going to win in the end. That, that's our fucking guy. That's the boy right there. But yeah, he's, he's, um, Han, Hanya is what I'm going to call him. Is, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I put you under a spell. Uh, you got to figure out how to break it. And it comes out, comes to find out, uh, Kenshin takes the Shigan stance. And it, it's like a very basic sword stance that even, uh, that even, um, why can't I remember the, the young boy's name? Right Yahiko. Now? Yahiko. Why can't I remember Yahiko's name? Um, is even like, you know what, this is, it's a very defensive stance, but it's like one of the first things you learn in sword fighting. Well, so this is actually like an ancient variation of the stance Yahiko's talking about. This is the Sagan yes. stance. And it is a, it's from like some like school of samurai bullshit that hasn't been around in a long time from like some era I don't remember. Typical Kenshin shit, yeah. So he, he's got his, he's got his more sophisticated basic stances. <laughs> um, so pretty, yeah, pretty much like the blade is like extended straight out from uh, Kenshin's chest and it's pointed at, at uh, his opponent's forehead right between the eyes and kind of what he's trying to do is gauge distances um out of a defensive stance and he figures out that the stripes on Hanya's uh arms make them look shorter shorter and bulkier that's uh, why the big boys don't wear horizontal stripes um <laughs> i was and, about to say big guys take note or short guys take note if you want to look yes, tall both. you don't wear horizontal stripes exactly exactly and kitchen ends up saying that uh, that's all it was. There was no real spell that he had to break, and he actually used his sword as like a yardstick to measure his arms while he was attacking him during the next volley. Um, but Kenshin is also a little thrown off by the mask that he's wearing. It was like a little Oni mask, and it covered his eyes and his mouth. Thank God. Um, Kenshin yeah. thinks it's just to... Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, it's actually interesting because his name is Hanya, and that mask is called a Hanya mask, which is like a yes. Japanese demon. So we know where his name came from. Very Easy original. Enough. Easy enough. Um, the mask Kenshin thinks is to hide his gaze and make his movements harder to read, or his, his attacks. But he, Hanya, also says, you know, that's a side effect of it, but it's more to hide my face. And as he's saying this, the mask splits from where Kenshin got a pretty good hit on his forehead um, to split the mask. And dude is just busted, ugly as fuck. Uh, and we come to find out he's cut off his lips, nose, and ears so he could disguise himself. Um, he could put on prosthetics and shape his face to whatever it, uh, he wants it to be. And that's kind of how he stuck on, on, snuck up on Megami. They were at the, the dojo a few episodes ago. Yeah, he, when he appeared was the, as a, a, a bookkeeper. bookkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad they rationalized that in, in some way because he switched in, to a different outfit pretty quickly. Well, Ninja shit. So I want to ask you, so you more recently rewatched Roni Kenshin. Yes. In the original, did the full mask fall off? Because I thought it was just like a corner and it showed his really fucked up eye. Yeah, they did not show this in the last one. Okay, because this shit was yeah. gnarly. I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time, but like, I don't remember this. I don't think I can forget this. No, they, they did not show his whole face and I'm pretty glad that they didn't because this was a little intense he had like a messed up eye as well i don't remember if he had a reason for the the eye but dude was busted uh skin all burnt off so he could put aesthetic skin over it and shape it however he wants to he's dedicated to the game though and i respect that i respect that um and he also mentions that he's dedicated his life to aoshi because he took him in when he was all alone poor little puppy dog yeah and then so we've we've got his Halloween mask off and he's looking even scarier. And Homie decides to pull a page out of the Marvel series Wolverine. And he's got the full blown fucking Wolverine claws going on. And you're thinking like, OK, he's going to really fight now. But sure enough. It doesn't even matter. He's just easily defeated by Kenshin as soon as he figures out the little arm trick. And he goes down pretty damn easily. The, uh, the Wolverine claws were fucking tight, though. They were, um, dude. I was hoping to get a little <laughs> more action with those. But, like, Kenshin catches his blade between them and shatters them, and it's, it's game over. Yes. Um, it, was a, it was a pretty low-diff fight. Um, and I've, not I've kind of noticed this um, with this remake. Yeah, I think they're fitting two episodes into one for pacing's sake, which is good. I do wish they would take more time with the fights and draw them out a little bit longer. Yeah, but then you remember how they drew them out a little longer in the original, and I'm kind of okay with it, because how they did it in the original, it was a bunch of, like, I don't want to say, like... shots. Yeah, they were, like, reaction shots mid-fight where you'd see, like, him coming with a slash... And then it would go to the other guy and you see him coming of the slash, but it'd be like actiony looking, but nothing actually happened. And right. I mean, I but I, I thought that's where they would improve that part of it because it's 2023. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's that is missing and it's good. I thought they were going to add more actual action in those spots. So it kind of is what it is. But a minor gripe for this this remake for me. 
Yeah, I think like they did with the last big fight, they'll 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 bring it out heavy for the big fights, which I think we're getting next episode. So I wanted to I want the fight to go like 10, 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. Dude, 10 minutes away. Oh, she'd be fucking sick. That's what I'm saying, bro. We deserve it. We deserve it. We've been patient. But before we get to the next episode, so Takeda, the scumbag, businessman, he's trying to get to the room Megumi. And he comes up and he's a fucking scumbag, dude. He's like, I can let, come out. We can run away together and you can make medicine. You can atone for your sins by being a good person and healing people. I'll find a way to make money off it. It's all good. Like some yeah, serious he, fuckboy shit. I mean, and, and like, you know, he was lying. Like, you, you can't, he can't turn down that heroin money, opium no. money, profits. Um, you know, unless you're a pharmacy company in the United States, the profits are not going to be as good. You had to throw um, that one in there, huh? I mean, come on, bro. We we get gouged. You know that. <laughs> uh, I I think I've attacked Big Pharma at least four times on this show so far, and I won't stop. But um, yeah, Takeda is is lying through his teeth, and we all know this. But making me stay strong, you know, even though he's saying we can help people now and try to atone for our sins, but Megami knows like she can't make up for everything she's done. They can't do all the undo all the wrong that they've caused and refuses him, thank God. And she comes in once again with that cold ass line, I'll see you in hell. Like I was like, Yes, girl, get it. She's fucking awesome, bro. But going back, so back to the main squad, we're coming up on yet another member of the Oni Waban group in Shikijo, who is they call the main guard. So in this situation, this is a burly looking, big, muscular man with a lot of scars in his body. He has been through some shit. And his weapon of choice is a little, a little interesting for what you would think of in a samurai anime. He's got the old ball and chain. And by ball and chain, I mean boulder and chain. Yeah, uh, this is like some, uh, I think we've, we've seen this in One Piece. Um, in Water Seven, they had like those uh, court guards. Uh, not Water Seven, Innie's Lobby. They had like, those court gu- guards with the balls. We didn't see a lot of them, but I just rewatched Innie's Lobby and Water Seven, and they were talking this around those around. So it was pretty cool to see them used again here because you don't get to see that a lot. Um, and I also like that they mentioned that uh, Shikojo is like the main guard because. Hanya is uh, more of like an assassin and an intelligence gatherer. So they got beefy boy guarding the main area. And we also get to see that uh, Kenshin and Yahiko move on and let Sano fight them. They figured it's going to be a good matchup, strength on strength. Uh, And I thought that was a good idea as well. Probably not much time to go save Megami. Oh, definitely. And like you said, this is the perfect matchup for Sano. So it does lead to a really fun fight. And we get to learn what makes Kenshin so much different than the members of the Obi-Wan Bond group. So Sano's getting getting pretty, pretty beat up in this fight. I mean, this man is huge. Headbutts the shit out of him. He's like, your brain should be fucking mush at this point. 
really puts the headbutt on him. And Sano being one of the hard-headedest people mentally and physically I've ever seen in a show. <laughs> fair, fair. Takes it, takes it like a champ. And basically they get into kind of a fight of ideals. And it actually goes a little bit into Shikijo's backstory, kind of like how we did with Hanya. You know, we're getting a little backstory about the Obi-Wan Bond group. And he actually comes out and says he was once an imperialist. So fighting on the other side, he was a ninja for the same group that Kenshin was a part of and got absolutely bodied by Aoshi when he was like 10. And Aoshi's like, you know what? You're too strong to kill. Join me. We have the secret elixir of the Obi Waban group, and you're gonna get fucking yoked. You got good muscles, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we we can we can buff you, bro. We can buff you. Um, and yeah, and he kind of uses this as an excuse to like invite Sano and Kenshin to be a part of the group, and that's kind of where you get that battle of ideas because Sano kind of gets into it, and he's like, look. We could never. And Kenshin is not that guy. He he would never join you guys because you guys are just strong. You're strong for the sake of being strong. You like violence. Kenshin is strong, but he only uses his weapon to save other people. He he fights to protect. So you you guys are not the same. He is better than you, pretty much. Oh, definitely, He's man. Right. He's right. It was it was a good scene too, because like seeing that much growth out of Sonosuke in what like four episodes is awesome yeah yeah I think the turning point was when um Kenshin said he had to go save uh Megami and Sano kind of got his act together so I think huh. he's 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 a hundred percent in with team Kenshin at this point he Definitely. understands so they're going at it again and Sonosuke basically crushes both of Seiki's Sakijo's hands and just surprises the shit out of him with the amount of brute force this little dude has. I mean, little compared to him. And <laughs> basically throws in the air and he does this like air jump punch thing and just smashes his head into the into the concrete floor and it's a wrap. Yes. And I thought it was pretty cool. Sano repeated uh, the line that Shikijo said to him in the beginning when he headbutted him, said, you, you might have a hard head and, and a strong body, but what's inside is what counts. Because um, he was trying to concuss him, and Tano pulls around, uh, turned around, did the same thing to him. He's like, I probably can't beat this guy's body up, so let me concuss his ass. Definitely. But unfortunately, uh, Sano is uh, still concussed and falls straight to the ground after he wins. He's taking all of that. You know, good for him. He won. He's just resting. Yeah, he, he did his job. But yeah, so the episode ends with Kenshin and Yahiko finding Aoshi. They ask them where Megumi and Takeda are. They're like, hey, we don't have a thing with you. We got to find Megumi. We got to save her. And we got to beat the fuck up out of Takeda. So if you want to let us through, that'd be pretty cool. And Aoshi comes back with this hard ass line. And he's like showing his sword and he's like, this is how we're going to talk, buddy. Let's get it. Yeah, that shit was dope. He's like, you're gonna have to convince me with uh with, with that blade. I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. So, th I mean, this is why I'm hoping we get ten minutes out of this fight, man. I, I think this being like the lead, the, like the you know the the climax battle of this arc needs it needs about ten minutes. I think I think we got the time for it. 
I'll be cool with it. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. This fight had uh, to last longer than an episode, right? I don't remember. I don't remember it either. It was a long fight. Uh, they, they're going to talk a lot as well if, if they if they follow the the old one, but they should. There's a lot they need to talk about. But did you like the episode? Yeah, it was great. I'm really like I said. I think I'm more excited for next week after watching than anything else. You know, it was uh, the I think Sano really just being a man was fucking awesome. Yeah, so hard boiled, so hard boiled. But uh, yeah, let's get on to some jujitsu kaizen. Let's um, do it. So we got JJK episode eight, um, Shibuya incident is the title. Very. They said the name of the arc. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I didn't think much happened in this episode, but um, JJK is coming back with some some pretty decent fight scenes here. Uh, unfortunately for Dan, I, I don't think there's going to be any more mechs, so I'm sorry about that, bud. We got bug monsters, so it it, it it's working okay. Okay, okay. I, yeah. don't, I don't have like, a thing for bug monsters, but it was different, you know? <laughs> I like different. Okay, okay, you know, it helps you savor the flavor of the mech, I understand. But yeah, Yuji ends up fighting a, a bug curse um, in this episode. And it seems like Ghetto and the special grade curses have set a pretty good trap for our boy Gojo uh, inside of the veil. So the episode starts with uh, Gojo figuring out what the veils are for. He says that, but doesn't deliver that information to us, which I thought was cool. But, um, then he ends up running into the special grade curses. You know, Gojo's got to talk his shit. He's like, you know what? You guys don't have an excuse this time to lose. And then it cuts. Start the intro, get through the intro, and we're back at Team Maymay, which is Yuji, Oi Oi, and Maymay. Oi Oi? Two double names. How do you say that, bro? You I, you I? That's Wee Wee. Or Wei Wei? Wei Wei? I'm going Oi Oi. Wait, 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 is it wait, wait, is it really wait, wait? Um, I don't know, but you say oi, oi, and all I can think of is a bunch of freaking cockney bastards at a bar singing some punk music, dude. <laughs> Go with it. Uh, it could be UA. Uh, yeah, it could be UA. But either way, so they're heading, they found out and discovered there's a second veil, and it's working to keep sorcerers out of it. So there's an outer veil that people, normal people can't escape from, and now there's an inner veil that sorcerers can't get into. Um, so concentric veils and, um, the assistant tells the group that, uh, there's transfigured humans in the Metro in between the two barriers and there's people hunting them, uh, hunting the normal people. These transfigured humans are, and may may kind of confirms that this curses are forcing people to stay in the lowest level of the Metro station. Where Gojo is currently, and that a cursed spirit or a cursed user um, has cast the veil and likely is trying to stay in the top two levels of the Metro. Metro's five levels, they're staying in the top two. Gojo, the special grade court curses, and everybody, the normies at the bottom level. So Team Meme splits up. And I love the question she asked Yuji. She's like, in the way she asked it, she's like, you know, you can go try to save people. Uh, we're going to split up into two teams. You can either save people or you can go fight somebody that's really strong. Yuji's like, bro, you, you know what I'm doing. She's like, I know you want to go fight this strong person, so we'll just go do that. And it's a wee wee. Or a way way. It's W-I. 
W-I? Yeah, that's how it's pronounced. Like, way, way. Way, way. Oi, oi. Okay, way, way sounds way better, though. I gotta lie. Oi. Had to go on the pronunciation YouTube quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I respect the grind, man. I'm working off my laptop. I couldn't do that this episode. Um, so, yeah, Mei Mei and Wei Wei, Mei Mei, Wei Wei, uh, are going <laughs> to save people. And um, Yuji pulls up on this pretty strong curse. And at first I thought it was like a just a normal grasshopper. But it ends up being a locust curse. And, you know, they kind of explain why people are afraid of locusts because they create famines. They they drop a lot of crops. Um, but going back to the locust curse, he says he's protecting the veil. So Yuji sees something in the corner and I fucking called this shit. I'm good at this. I think I'm getting I'm very observant. I, I've noticed um, you it's can one have of those your flowers. Little, thank you. Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's one of those little pins that I was talking about either last episode or the episode before. It's kind of wrapped in the, um, what do you call them, talisman? Cursed paper, ceiling, ceiling paper. paper. See, yeah, cursed ceiling paper. Um, and he's like, yeah, I just got to break that. But first I got to break this locust. And it was a pretty cool fight fighting scene, honestly. Um, the, the locust has some very strong, strong jaws and forearms and, Yuji pretty much low diffs it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that kind of caught him some by surprise was that cell like tail that could yeah. just shoot out like 10 feet, which they went into it. So that's how locusts lay eggs is they shoot that tail into the ground and just lay eggs in the ground. I mean, like, uh, uh. I mean, if the play, if, uh, if a plague of locusts was this easy to beat, I think we would have had a little easier time in, you know, good old days, Egypt. You know, man, it just hearing you say that made my skin crawl all over again. Um, I, I don't have a problem with bugs, honestly, but just the, like the visual they put with like the locusts laying their eggs in the ground and how they do it really had me fucked up. Um, and I, honestly, in college, I took a whole entomology class and it was focused solely on bugs. And I never got that weirded out from how I got weirded out watching this part of this episode. And so that's saying something. Definitely. So did you feel that way at all? No, not at all. Oh, shit. Okay. Does not bother me, man. The only thing that bothers uh, me is I, I like spiders. And it's not okay. even that I don't like spiders, I don't like the feeling of spider webs. Like when you're, I don't think anybody does. Yeah, they're when, like yeah, like very when, unsettling. Like my my garage has some spiders in it, and like you'll randomly like walk past something, you'll just feel like a spider web on your leg. You're like, oh, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, the worst is like when like hiking or like walking through the woods, and it's like a big spider web, and you just walk right into it. Disgusting feeling. Doesn't bother uh, me as much uh, in the woods. R- it still gets me, man. It still gets me um, being covered in, a, in, a, in a, like a, your whole torso in a spider web. But enough with the entomology talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Yuji, yeah, he low diffs this this locust curse, and uh, he sees the pen wrapped up in the paper, and he pretty much just breaks it. And I don't believe the fail actually dropped, did it? No, they said it was weakening, I think. So yes. maybe there are multiple pins and we got to take down multiple, multiple curses. Hopefully no more bugs, but we'll, we'll see. 
Yeah, we we sh- we will see. But uh, then we kind of cut to to Gojo, and the curses are like kind of like talking shit back to Gojo, which they think they have the upper hand because Gojo uh, Ghetto has revealed a lot of Gojo's powers and what on how he operates to these special grade curses. And uh, he revealed that Gojo kind of works better when he's by himself because his attacks, although they're not AOE, they're very big and he needs open space for like his teleporting and everything. Um, so he works better with no one else's around and there's open space pretty much. And then he also mentioned, you know, about, about trapping like the normal people there. He wouldn't, be able to charge up his blue enough do his high speed travel and i believe ghetto called you know, he's like to sorcerers he be, pretty much becomes like a mac truck very slow sluggish and he also can't use his domain expansion without crushing the civilians between the barrier the outer barrier and his domain so ghetto's giving him some really great intel and it's stuff i hadn't really thought about gojo having these types of weaknesses i just thought he was an all-powerful sorcerer god until you put a bunch of fodder around him yeah yes yes he has to be careful now he can't just uh blast you away with red blue and purple all the time um and gojo they kind of force him to focus on defense because he can't be too offensive he can't use uh blue to destroy everything around him or for the high-speed travel and two of the curses attack him with domain amplification, which actually neutralizes Gojo's or really any cursed ability that it comes in contact with. There's like this moment where they're about to get a pretty good lick on him. He can't really move. And Gojo needs a minute to like understand what's going on. He's like, oh shit, like I'm going to have to use blue. I got to get the fuck out of here. And it's really interesting to see Gojo on the back foot. I wasn't expecting that this episode. Were you? No, I wasn't expecting it at all. And one thing during this, too, is they compare domain amplification to the simple domains we saw in the last episode. So I think that's a new trick in their bag based on the intel they and like, you know, watching it actually happen when they were fighting um, Mechamaru. So that's like a new trick in their bag. Yeah. So it was really good that Mechamaru, uh, it was good for them that that Mechamaru showed them that. So they were like, oh, this is how we can actually hit him once we get him boxed in pretty much uh you know gojo's still handling them pretty well he's not completely blasting them away because he can't there's normal people everywhere around him it's a they're in a, a subway station a metro but uh, we also hear flashback with ghetto and jogo and ghetto saying you don't have to beat him you just gotta hold on for 20 minutes and i'm gonna pull up with the prison realm and I think this is the trap. Yeah, I think we're getting a little ceiling jutsu a la Naruto coming up. I mean, with a name like yes. Prison Realm, you can't think it's anything else, right? It's a prison realm. I mean, I mean, <laughs> what is it? He's just going to show up the and name. Gojo's just going to get shanked 80 times. <laughs> <laughs> we already know that shit doesn't work. Um, that is yeah, true. They- I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that's what i thought you were getting the joke about um but i was yeah, making a prison it, joke <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah this is this is the gojo trap they've done a ghetto knows what he's doing i bet he's planned this for so goddamn long 
because we know Gojo's the strongest and uh, Ghetto, but Ghetto's, he's had time and he's a very smart person. And he has the benefit of, of once being one of uh, Gojo's closest friends and having the power explained to him. Yeah, you know, he's the perfect guy to take down. I mean, taking down your best friend's probably the easiest thing to do, right? You got all the intel. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He probably yeah. knows more about him than almost anybody else. Oh, easily. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple episodes. I mean, I don't know if they're going to drag this out for 20 minutes, you know, or if they're just going to kind of do it quickly. But it'll be interesting to see how the next few episodes go. Yes, yes. Um, I, I kind of want to just see the look on Gojo's face if he does get trapped. His ego is so fucking big. But I know. <laughs> I just want to see him humbled a little bit. Um, but you ready for some One Piece, bud? Let's do it. So we are getting into the final episode of our fight with Kaido. The culmination of like five years of One Piece is in front of us, guys. That's wild for anybody who's been watching this from the get-go. Like I know some of our listeners have been. So the episode starts off with a little flashback to Kaido's childhood. I just remember when this dropped in the manga, a lot of people were pissed because this is like the least backstory we've gotten on a villain ever. Oh, by far. Yeah. Oh, by far. Like it was, it's very minimal for One Piece, what we got here. Um, like we got as just as much King backstory as we did fucking Kaido. Yeah. I think the interesting thing though is Kaido is such a, I don't want to say a one-dimensional character, but compared to Doflamingo and Big Mom, like his 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 entire upbringing has been war. Right. I mean, it starts with his flashback at like ten years old, leading a small army against like a kingdom in the One Piece world. Uh, we learn that he gets drafted into the navy, which doesn't go very well, obviously. And he ends up just being imprisoned because of that. And that's where he yeah. meets their boy King. Yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, I, and I think we have to mention that, like, uh, it was his home island pretty much making him, drafting him, quote unquote, selected for the Navy. So he had, so he had to become a, a Marine. And they're doing it for political reasons. They just want to become part of the Reverie. They're a very poor country. They also they always have to pay the the higher kingdoms uh, just for existing, which sucks. So I understand where they were coming from. Uh, they should have known Kaido was just not going to go for that shit. Definitely. And uh, Kaido, you know, it just shows Whitebeard recruiting Kaido into the Rocks Pirates. Like there's a scene where he's beating up a bunch of pirates on Pirate Island, and uh, I think it's Hachinosu, is what they call it, which is like Pirate Island. And people are like, I can't believe this is like a 15-year-old. Like, this is a child, not a man, and he's got this kind of bounty. But it just goes to show how strong and how much of a freaking one-man wrecking ball Kaido actually is, you know? Yeah, it's nuts, because like he's like a teenager, and the Marines, like when they capture him and he escapes again, he does this repeatedly, but it's really whenever he's out at sea and he gets hungry, he just pretty much gets captured. They feed him to, to keep him alive, and then he just leaves. And they're like getting pissed because they're using them. He's using them as like a cafeteria, as they say. <laughs> like, how OP are you? They're like, you just like, you know what? I'm don't feel like cooking today. 
I'm going to get captured. Take a Ins- nap and then I'll break out. Insane, dude. But it, it just goes into, I mean, Kaido joins the Rocks Pirates. We learn again, we hear more about God Valley, which we better get a fucking flashback of down the line because a lot of shit went down at God Valley and they haven't gotten into it yet. So it comes out, this is the fight where Garp becomes the hero of the Marines because he defeated the Rocks Pirates. And then we kind of get to, you know, Kaido's goal is just to create a world of violence to get the Celestial Dragons to come down and fight, which, you know, I think he's got a point there. Fuck, fuck the Celestial Dragons, dude. They suck. Yeah, he said, screw nobility. Everybody's got to have hands. And I thought that and I, the reason I did want to mention that he was going to have to get sold to the Navy, um, this is kind of his way of fighting back. I'll just create a world of violence. And I think. His intention is admirable, but the execution is way off base, right? I think he's looking for a world of more equality, but it's unfortunate that it is based off how strong you are and war. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he he had the right, he had the spirit for execution. Terrible execution. But we also get a scene which has a lot to do with the lore of One Piece. And Kaido's talking to King. This is, you know, after he's set up his whole Onigashima and done a lot of Shinawano and all that. And they're getting going on that. Um, he basically says, you know, I know who Joy Boy is. Joy Boy is going to be the person to defeat me. And that's why King thinks Kaido is Joy Boy, because he doesn't think anybody can beat Kaido. Which I can't really right. blame him. <laughs> I mean, dude's been wrecking country since he's been 10. Um, yeah, I can't blame him either. But it's kind of ironic that King was waiting for Joy Boy and got clapped by his second in command. You know, man, if you're Joy Boy, you got to have a strong crew, right? I mean, of course, of course. He just ends up, ends up on the wrong end of it. It is what it is. But yeah, back to the present. We see Joseph, one of the CP0 members, escaping Onigashima. He's doing his little, uh, what do they call it again? Sky, not skywalking. It is skywalk. It is skywalk? I thought it had a different yeah. name for some reason. Sanji you calls it something good. else. Yeah, Sanji calls it a different, uh, different thing. But yeah, CP0 calls it skywalk. But he's skywalking away from the island, flying through the sky. Smart man getting out of there. Shit's about to go down. I think he kind of figured that one out. Yes, I was also thinking maybe those uh, marine ships and the world government is pulling up because, I mean, he's got to have a place to escape escape to. He's probably relaying intel about what's happening. Oh, yeah, he's had a direct line. Yeah, so something something to keep your eye on, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm working that angle right now in my mind. Definitely. We see Zoe's water continue to flood Onigashima to put the fires out. Seeing everybody get swept away by Jinbei's strong arms. <laughs> Throwing this water around like it's freaking nothing. Hey, it's Jinbei, and, baby. And we just get back to big ass fist in the sky. Luffy and Kaido going at it with the final blow. Telling Momo, get this fucking island out of the way. I'm coming down. And we, in this episode, we finally see Momo find his resolve and after barely being able to make any flame clouds at all homie shoots out a whole ring of it starts pulling onigashima out of the way and it's just good to see momo have his moment his momo moment 
you know, like they didn't really have to do him like this for the last couple of years and have him cry every third episode. But it was a it was a big moment. Uh, I don't respect Momo anymore than I did yesterday, the day before or last month. But it's, it's good to see. And like he did it just in time, like you knew they were going to do. Onigashima starts falling, and he's like, okay, now I can do it. Don't, don't, uh, I, I'm happy, but also still disappointed in him for being a little bit. Definitely. But yeah, so Luffy and Kaido are still going at it. I mean, this is, I don't want to say like the most anticlimactic big attack because there's so much meaning behind it, but like they've ended fights in better ways in One Piece. I mean, Thriller Bark was way better as far as the ending, I think. Um, that hurts to hear. It was a great team effort. Um, it, it just hit harder. It, it, it hit way harder than this. Um, I think you're right about it being anticlimactic. It was, you expect so much more out of this moment because it's been so long. I think just the raid has been, what, two years? At least, or yeah. Something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at least two years. I think the raid... Yeah, I think it's closer to three. So, like, you expect so much, and, like, it's hard to live up. I understand it's hard to, like, live up uh, to that time and what you expect. Maybe some unreasonable expectations, but I definitely wanted a little bit more than what we got. Yeah, definitely. And, like, we're not trying to, like, downplay this at all, but it's just really hard to talk for 15 minutes about one punch. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, all the all the fights end in a big fucking punch. But this punch was in the air for what? Three episodes? At least two. At least two. Was it just two? It, it feels like it's two. been floating up there for a while. Um, I think it was the end of the three episodes ago. Okay. Okay. All right. But yeah, it, it did feel a little anticlimactic. But we got some great moments out of this fight, obviously. Like, this is... The overall fight, not the ending, but the overall fight, top tier shit, man. Oh, definitely. It was probably the best, visually, the best fight in One Piece. Hey, there we go. I mean, uh, I'm, incredible. I'm, put, I'm putting it only second to uh, King Zoro. I thought that one, I, I personally liked that one a lot better, but this was, it's like 1A and 1B. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, I, th- 1A. I think I overall like, Kaido versus Luffy more just because there's so much more substance to it and when we can sit down and watch it uninterrupted I think it's oh. going to be it's going to hit so much harder oh I agree I was just talking about purely visual as far as like you know hearing the drums of liberation all that okay the impact of, uh, of gear 5 yeah I just got a soft spot for Luffy or bounce around on lightning that shit was sick. Like a uh, maniac, dude. Yeah, yeah. That, it was cold. It was cold. But we also get a really awesome interaction with during this fight where basically Kaido says what he is fighting for and it's, you know, war and everything else. And Luffy comes in and says, I'm fighting. So and we get a nice flashback to Tama. And it's basically, I'm fighting so my friends can eat. And it's Luffy. It's all coming down to food, man. What do you expect? <laughs> my uh, my sister was laying down on the couch while I was watching this. And she was like, seriously, that's his goal? I was like, that's not really what he means. But yeah, in this specific case, yes. He wants everybody to eat rigged. He wants to eat good. 
Yes, yes. You just got to go oh. show her the episode beforehand where they had the really sad flashback that made Tyler cry. <laughs> like, this <Yes>. is why. <laughs> this is why. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so sad. And I was, like, trying to tell her that I was like, this, this arc has been going on for maybe four or five years. Um, I think it was, like, four and a quarter years or something, uh, uh, three and three quarters years. Just, just this. And she was like, and this is all that's happened? I was like, you just don't understand. This is... This is peak. This is you it. I don't right understand. But I've been trying to convince her to watch One Piece. She did like the live action, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she actually really liked it. So maybe one day. Maybe one maybe day. Maybe one day. But so Luffy's punch breaks through the flame dragon torch. And you just see little old Kaido inside of this giant. I'm saying little old Kaido, which sounds hilarious to think about. But compared to the scope of this dragon, Kaido is much smaller, the flame dragon. And you see the fist come burst through the flame dragon and punch Kaido straight down into hell. Fucking awesome. Um, I, I'm going to get to the, 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 the ending part in a second, but that flame uh, dragon torch, who was that for? Why is it so big? Like, God damn. It's like, what would you probably say? Like 20 times the, the size of his body. But we know how Oda is with sizes. But who is that for? That's what I was thinking. It only works in this fight. But I, I digress. I don't know, man. How satisfying would it have been to see that giant fucking dragon just burning down Marie Joie? Taking down the celestial dragons. That's what it was it, for. It might have been for them. That's what it was for. Yes. But it was really satisfying to finally see Kaido lose. And oh, we get that we get that shot of like Luffy uh looking down on Kaido, like smiling, and then you have the Scott boats coming coming up in the background behind him. One that specifically says I was gonna say that's um, a wallpaper. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude, it was wonderful. Wonderful. And then there was one specific uh, skyboat that said, beat that scary big dragon. So they he's granting wishes. Our boy Luffy's granting wishes like he always does. And that was a really cool scene, I thought. Uh, oh, seeing definitely. the flower capital. And then I think what's also really important for like the ending of the big One Piece fights when Luffy defeats the big baddie is that everybody gets to see it happen. It's important. Um, so we, everybody on Onigashima, they're seeing it through a, a, a hole in the, in, the, in the ceiling. And they're like all, all cheering him on, telling him he can't lose. And really cool moment. Definitely, Really, man. really cool moment. Definitely. I'm just really excited for the next arc. You don't even know, dude. I would have turned it up to 11. There's, there's more? There's a lot Jeez. more. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm hyped. I'm always hyped for oh, One yeah. Piece, but yeah, this, this was I think this is a good ending to uh, Kaido overall. Like, like we said, the punch was a little anticlimactic, but the overall episode I thought was really good. Oh, definitely. And the funniest thing is, is like like maybe a year or two into Wano, Oda literally came out and said Luffy will not defeat Kaido with a big punch. <laughs> It was a massive punch. He wasn't wrong. It was a really big punch, but it was a big punch <laughs> nonetheless. I love that. I love that. 
But uh, Kaido was Kaido was never wrong. He was very right in telling King the person that would defeat him is uh, Joy Boy. Look at the foresight on this guy. Smart man. Well, beast, Oni, whatever I'm gonna call him. <laughs> <laughs> but Austin, anything else for One Piece? That's it for me, man. This is a really great episode. Finally, uh, I'm glad we finally wrapped this whole Kaido situation up for the most part. Definitely. And and like we were saying, you know, it's like this episode was just, there was a lot of visuals and a lot of really impactful moments, but like, you just can't put the words to justice to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it didn't seem like a lot happened, but with all like the, the, the small flashbacks and everything, it, it still made it impactful. Um, even though we were ragging on it a little bit, we still thought. Ah. I think I, we still thought it was very, very good. Yeah, it was a really good episode. Just <laughs> you see the big fist for three episodes. You're like, all right, let's let's bring it. Let's bring the hammer down. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna whiff on this one. Well, awesome guys, really appreciate you listening to this week's weekly rundown. Uh, make sure to tune in on Thursday for the bullshit hour. Uh, we'll be back then and next week uh, if you want to join the discord come hang out linktree.com slash anime and we'll catch you guys on Thursday bye peace